Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you would really like to support us, we have merchandise available, we have stickers, and we have hoodies and shirts with the logo on the front, and the first 50 guests on the back, including Mr. Caleb Wilbur. Starting playing guitar at nine years old, he cut his teeth on multiple instruments in the garage bands, and around that time, he began to learn the fundamentals of art, of producing, and arranging at a very young age. In his high school years, he was an instrumentalist in a hardcore slash metal bands located in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. After high school, he graduated from Lancaster Bible College in 2016 with a bachelor's degree in both worship arts and biblical studies. LBC gave him experience in playing jazz, blues, and church music on guitar, as well as other ensembles and performance groups. During this season of his life, he developed a love for creatives and pop music. And after graduating, he then moved to Des Moines and later to Columbus, Ohio, and served as a worship leader slash pastor for two different multi-site churches for seven years. During his time on staff, God began stirring his heart for the creatives and the kingdom church. And in 2022, he and his wife, Jen, founded Freedom City Collective. Freedom City is a team of creatives that spans four plus states and that resource that resources the worship and arts needs of the local church and provides music for events and conferences. Their whole team strives to create a place of belonging for like-minded creatives to build a platform for creatives to support the mission of God and share their work to stir love and affection towards Jesus. Caleb and Jen travel all over the Midwest leading worship for conferences, church gatherings, and other events. Caleb and Jen, on their own, have released their first single, Chaos, in 2020, then released With Me in 2021, and released their newest single, An Impossible, in 2022. Caleb continues to produce music for other artists, co-writing with other worship leaders and pastors, and writing and producing for Caleb and Jen. And you can follow them and their adventures on their Instagram links at CalebJonathanW, Caleb and Jen, at Freedom City Collective, and on Facebook, at Caleb and Jen and their websites calebandjen.com and freedomcitycollective.com all links will be in the description all links will be also in the description I was so close to getting through it so all so close it was a mouthful <laughs> how are you doing today I'm doing well how are you I'm doing pretty good minus uh shortcomings this morning <laughs> always have them always have them so tell me uh you you got started young what inspired you to pick up the guitar man um so I actually started playing piano and that was in first grade and I hated it. And I was, I loved being outside. I, what's that? How dare you? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. So I started playing piano and it, just sitting for long periods of time reading, I don't know, chopsticks, music, things like that. Not a fan. So, mm. um, I, when I was young, I think it was third grade. I was like, Lord, what, what do you want me to play? I don't know why I asked what would a prompt that. Um, but I, I, I heard him say in my heart, he was like, I want you to play guitar. So I was like, okay, I'll play guitar. My mom wanted me to play saxophone, which is just, I mean, it's a cool instrument now, but at the time I was like, that's not a cool instrument, mom. (laughs) So my dad um, went and got my first acoustic guitar and I started playing that and the rest is history. So that would have been fourth grade. So tell me uh, your life through then. Did you, because picking up a guitar and then deciding to do music for the rest of your life, that's a a step and a leap and a half. Mm. Uh, What was the process through that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I, I think I loved, I think I was always caught between sports and music 
And so um, I was attending, I'm not Mennonite, but I was attending a Mennonite school in Lidditz. And, uh, and I just, it was basically at the time we had a worship team and it was me with a bunch of girls. And so I would pick the music, right? Like we'd pick the songs for the week and, and then we would do chapel on Wednesdays. And I just started developing a love for playing music with other people. And I think that that was kind of the first initial time that I was exposed to. It wasn't just me sitting at home playing, you know, worship songs or whatever. Right. And so um, that kind of bridged into some friend groups that um, we uh, started a band our first band, um, my friend Brendan growing up, awesome guy. Um, we started a band called CBJ. It was Caleb, Brendan, Jesus. Mm. And so <laughs> didn't go anywhere, but we were recording on a, a, a tape deck and it was horrible, but it was mm. awesome. And we just, it was so brand new. He had an electric guitar. So it was the first time I was ever, I was ever shown an electric guitar, which I was like, that is way cooler than acoustic. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it just, that was sixth, seventh, and eighth were kind of when that really took root in my life. And I was, I was in sports at the time, but I think when I hit my freshman year of high school, um, I really, my love for music kind of deepened more. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to do sports anymore. Plus I was too short to be playing basketball. I was only like five, 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 six. So mm. I was just like, this is not going to go very well. <laughs> Everybody kind of exceeded my height at the time. So I was like, I think music is, a, it wasn't, it wasn't a last ditch effort. But it was just kind of one of those that I was like, man, this, this is, I really love it. And so to be able to do it with people that you love, um, it's, I mean, you know, too, being a musician, yeah. it's, it's a joy. So it's, it's fun to do things alone, but you get to do it with other people and it's a blast. That's it, super interesting because I've always, it's always seems to be uh, with guitarist for whatever reason. Uh, every, every past guitarist has always been sports or music. <laughs> I find the same thing with drummers. I find yeah, that they're yeah. always like, and they're some of the best athletes. Like they're just amazing at both. And I'm like, how do you do that? Cause I'm kind of hacked. Like I can keep up, but I'm right. not, I don't exceed well in any, like any particular sport. It's funny. I, I also had that same experience as a kid as well. It's either do soccer or do music. And I chose, I, I was the lead. Um, and one of the, one of the players, I was, I ha- had to be, had to be music. Yeah. And from then on, I'm just like, okay, it's music forever. Yeah. I get it. And I, I think that there's still, those are, they're two valuable skills, but oh, for sure. music, I think when it comes, I, what I, I'm biased, obviously, and yes. most of your audience is going to be musicians too, but we just have a unique way of learning where the King's aesthetic, the auditory and visual, we're very balanced in that. And I think that for athletes, it's a little bit different. They don't, there's not as, um, they're not as equal in those. So I just, I think I find it fascinating. Like it, it, it sets you up. It makes me sad when they remove it from high schools and middle schools mm. now because I'm like, man, like sports or music, uh, music. Sorry, oh, gotcha. they're they're pushing into sports and yeah. the music is being lost. And I'm like, man, like those they're just good. Like people that do music, even to some degree, like it helps them being a balanced learner. I just I love that. And it helps it helps them. I've heard it. You know, the whole music therapy side of it. It helps them yeah. be nice and relaxed. It, granted, if you do it properly, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. There's always moderation. Yeah. Um, but it helps them with math learning and yeah. it's, it's, it truthfully, the, the human experience is music. Yeah. Right. And that's how, that's how we get our emotions out. That's how we, that's how we commune with each other across many different barriers Yeah, is through music. I really do think it, it's a loss that uh, music is being put down to the wayside over sports, which Granted, they're both equally important. Sports yeah. sports teaches teamwork. 
camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's it's very good to just let out all that angst as a teenager yeah. on the field and just go for it. But music is equally as important in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think they're different skills, like the different teamwork, skills. Yeah. The teamwork involved when you're in sports that you bring up such a good point. Like you can be in a band, but there's also a lot of composers that I've heard that are horrible to work with. They're just, their mm-hmm. personalities. You're just like, I don't want to be in a room with you for like 15 hours. Cause you're too particular. You're too stuck up or you're, they just, they're used Ego, to doing yeah. things alone. Yeah. That's so, that's so good. And the other thing I love, yeah, I, I love music. I love being able to do that with other people. I think if you didn't have that component, you end up being kind of a, a rude, mean person, you know? Yeah, especially so. if you work alone. It's Because yeah. there is the teamwork aspect of working together as a team, whether it be an ensemble or a worship team, or because everyone's looking o- out, everyone's looking off each other and working off each other mm-hmm. to make a whole cohesive piece. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's important as musicians that we don't, that we f- don't forget yeah. that it's about the peace more than so the people. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. So what made you choose Lancaster Bible College? Well, I didn't want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, I um, I was pursuing music. And, and I, you know, in high school, I look back and I was a very uneducated musician. Most guitar players are. They don't know how to read music. They mm-hmm. go by ear. <laughs> um, and so I was like, man, I want to go to Nashville and I want to be a session guitar player. That just sounds so fun. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't know that most session guitar players are homeless. Oh, really? They, I, I didn't know that. But yes, many of them, if you're trying to make it, you're sleeping on couches, you're waiting for your next tour oh, to yeah. come around. Like right. the, the lifestyle is very different. And, like, you know, I have one of my one of our friends um, within Freedom City. He's a he's a drummer down in Nashville. And he's just like, man, with the housing prices and all that, it's like it's getting even harder to make that sustainable for musicians that widely haven't had their incomes raised since 80, like the eighties. Yeah. And so it just gets very challenging. So anyway, I didn't know any of that at the time, but just learning like, what does it take to get there? It, it's a lot of, a lot of sacrifice. Um, you could be a great player, but you still have to understand and develop relationships and all of that. So I, um, I was in my junior year. I was pretty distant from the Lord, but, um, a winter retreat with my youth group brought me back and, um, into relationship with Jesus. And as, as I got closer with him, I started discerning, like, I, I, again, it was the same when I was in third grade asking God, what do you want me to play? I heard the same thing. I want you to go to school and I want you to study worship. And, um, I was very active in my church in the worship area. And, um, but I was also, you know, having the history of bands. So I was kind of doing those simultaneously. And so I was like, where do you want me to go? And, I was like, okay, God, if it's up to me, I want to go to Australia. I want to go to Hillsong Institute because that just sounds so fun. And I get to get out of Lancaster. Like I wasn't always down on Lancaster County, but um, to get out sounded like a blast. And then God's like, no. And then I was like, okay, well, what about Grand Canyon University in in Colorado? And God's like, no. And I was like, well, what about Belmont and Nashville? Um, And and he's like, no. And then I went to the college that my parents went to and in the eighties. And I was like, man, like God just paved the way between, I did not have good grades in high school. And I, um, you know, and I, and God paved a way for finances for me to come. And so, um, faithfully I was like, okay, Lord, like you are clearly laying out these steps through things that I'm fearful in and you answered them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to LBC. I stayed at home with, um, we lived in Lidditz and, um, I commuted all four years and, um, it was a really great four years. I, I grew a lot. Um, I kind of tell people 
uh, studying at LBC was kind of like Bible boot camp for me. Mm. Um, it really it provided a lot of fundamentals going into ministry. Um, and there's still a whole lot once you get out. I thought I was more prepared than I was. And then I got into the real world and I was like, oh my goodness, like there's a whole, there's a whole set of stuff that you do need to grow in and develop in. And, um, but I, I had, I was able to lean on a lot of that education that I had gotten, um, that I could resort to, or, you know, I had interned at several churches, um, was involved, um, with vertical worship out in Chicago for a minute. Mm. Um, and so being able to see how different churches do things, large churches, um, gives you kind of an orientation for smaller churches to help kind of shepherd them along. Cause you see like, okay, so they've established, this is the way they do it. So we can borrow from some of the things that they do, um, and try to find our own way in that. And so, yeah, it was, uh, uh you know, college was amazing, a really, really great experience. Um, the relationships that I built during that time, like amazing. Um, again, it's the collaboration. It always goes back to relationships. If you're yeah. doing things alone, it's not, it's not, that's not good. You know? Yeah. It's so hard to do something. And I learned this very quickly as a composition major, you yeah. have to be collaborating with people because first off, you have to be making friends Yeah. to get the people to play your pieces. And it's not, it shouldn't be like a means to an end at mm-hmm. all. But uh, I realized that I was, I was just isolating. I'm an introvert as well. So I isolated myself naturally. Yeah. Um, but afterwards I started making friends. It was a lot easier to get through the classes. It was a lot easier to get through the composition assignments. It was a lot easier to grab somebody and be like, Hey, can you play this for me just to make sure that it's mm-hmm. playable? And is because that's a problem that composers have. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you're speaking another instrument's language. It's like me walking into Thailand and I don't speak Thai at all, mm-hmm. but like a smile means way more and we can communicate a lot with a smile and pointing Yes. But for me to be able to write down and you tell somebody else what I wrote, you're speaking their language. If you were able to write it but not speak it, mm-hmm. right? That that's what you're essentially doing with composition is you're writing in their language. And, and making if sure like, that the grammar's correct. <laughs> exactly. And they'll go, Oh no, no, no. Like I wouldn't make this jump. I wouldn't do a minor third. I would right. do that's really difficult to go from here to here. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That that was the <laughs> I can't do a double stop slide. <laughs> Turns out you can, but <laughs> they just weren't aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you unlo- unlock special achievements uh, yeah. that that people didn't know that existed because mm-hmm. it's it's so not classical mm-hmm. in a way. Um, it's not. It's not correct. It's not. It's not correct. It's not taught like um like you, fiddle playing. Right. Mm. Um, they'll do all sorts of crazy stuff that aren't taught, but it sounds amazing. Yeah. And it was that kind of stuff that I was asking other classical musicians. They were like, you're trying to kill me and my violin. <laughs> but no, I saw it. It's possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's so important to collaborate with people, especially. So what was your next steps out of college? Yeah. So, man, um, just like everybody, you, you graduate with um, some or a lot of debt. Um, and there's <laughs> trade-offs, right? Like there's yes. trade-offs. There's everything in life is about trade-offs. And so... Um, yeah, so we, I graduated, um, I worked an IT job for six months and I put out probably 50 resumes and, um, and you know, I, I look at that season as just kind of the waiting and, um, deepening some relationships here and getting my heart prepared. Um, I, I was looking, you know, the rest of the United States, like I, it was, there was no bounds to where I was, I was Mm -hmm. willing to go for the Lord. Um, 
I just knew what you, you, I just knew what my calling was was literally to lead people to the throne and allow them an opportunity to re respond to their creator. And so I put out fifty resumes all over the country, um, and there was a church that was willing to take a risk on risk on me at at twenty two, twenty three. Um, and just before I graduated, I met my wife Jen. Um, so that would have been that that February, uh, the no November before I graduated that May. And so from May, we you know we were dating, and from May to um, new uh, October, I was just I was putting out resumes and like frustrated. I was like, Lord, like, why, why is this not any harder? I have a bachelor's degree. Like that should mean like, <laughs> I should mean be able something. To, yeah. But I was like, man, but what I learned in that was just like, again, it, you know, I'm sure you, you, you hit senior year of college and you're like, I'm done. Like, I'm so tired. I've had what, how math. Okay. 16 years of school. Is that right? Like About, from beginning. Yeah. yeah. So like, you're like, dude, I'm just like, I'm done with this. <laughs> Some and, people choose to go to the front masters. Oh and like, my. Why? You, you guys are <laughs> troopers. My troopers, goodness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, a church was willing to take a risk on me. And so I moved out to Des Moines, um, and our time in Des Moines was awesome. Um, Des Moines is, it, it's, it was crazy cause I grew up in Lancaster and I never, I, I, you know, I've traveled, but I never lived anywhere else except for Chicago for about four months. And, um, Des Moines, just a very different culture than Lancaster oh, County. Sure. Very, it very far. I mean, it's farmy, but like it, the Midwest culture mixed in with the farmy mixed with you know, landlocked state. Like it's, it's like in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's right dead center of the state. And so, um, yeah, we were in a church there and, uh, it was, it was a, a hard, so we were, my wife and I were engaged at that point. And so it was a, a quite a journey, um, being in my first ministry job away from Pennsylvania. It was about 22 hours away from, Jeez. from where we grew up. So yeah, I mean, it was a hike. And, um, so I didn't go home during that year and a half while we were there. And, God, I, I see, I, I look back and I just see God like priming um, for what we're doing now. I just see him, you know, he's exposing us to to different ways of doing things in churches and different size churches. This church was, um, I believe, between like 15 and 18,000. Um, and so we were at one of the first campuses that they had um, started. And so um, it was it was amazing. Um, first first role. And, and Jen and I, um, we were like I said, engaged. And we were able to, after three months of me being there, I came back and got Jen and we, we moved out to Des Moines, um, together. So that was kind of like our first being married ministry job. Um, it was a blast. And then out of that role, God very clearly, um, you know, there was a very clear moment that we were like, man, we, we need to move back closer to Pennsylvania. And so that's why we are in Columbus. We've been in Columbus ever since, um, Columbus, Ohio, and we absolutely love it. Columbus is a wonderful city. Columbus it's, is awesome. It's a young city. It's yeah. it's an up and coming city. Like it's it's amazing. Have you ever been to? There's one museum that I will always shout out in Columbus, and it's called Otherworld. Have you ever? I've never heard there? of it. It is so. It's it markets itself. It markets itself as a interactive museum. And when when I heard that, I was like, okay, interactive. <laughs> what does that mean right 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 does it uh but in on all seriousness this is i can't shout this out enough it costs 25 bucks you can stay there as long as you want and it is a whole puzzle that you have to figure out it's just a whole mystery thing with puzzles all around and literally you can touch absolutely everything that sounds amazing and you can and like so we were in a glass room uh, that was the first room that we had gotten into me and my friend when we went because we weren't expecting much. We're like, okay, interactive. Sure. Um, and this is the classroom. And this has been after like nine hours of driving from like Pittsburgh. to That's not nine hours, but it felt like it, right? Yes, it does. Um, nine hours to Columbus. And 
It's like four hours if I'm being realistic. From right? Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh to Columbus. Pittsburgh to Columbus? It's about two and a half, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it really that short? But it, it feels long. I don't know. It always feels long. We just it we came long, back. Right, we came yeah. out to have you on this podcast, and it always feels long coming to Lancaster. I don't know why. It feels shorter going to Columbus for me, but mm. it's it's two and a half. Anyway, <laughs> it felt like a long drive, and and we we were just sat there, and and uh, it's like two couches, two tables. There's a record player on this side, and there's like discs over here and we were just like chilling and, and then slowly my friend gets a idea is like these are discs i wonder what happens if we put it in to the record player and i was like probably nothing but why not and uh because we had seen just like 30 or so people come through and not doing anything and just yeah. walks through and like oh look at the, the mirrors in the infinity room oh that's cool and then walk away as soon as we put the disc in there the whole room changes and it starts bumping music Shoot. like like a like a club but yeah. and it, it was like a whole light show and i was like hey yo <laughs> this is sick yeah <laughs> and so we we spent like we spent like five hours there figured out the entire puzzle and it oh my gosh was it so much worth it so you gotta check it out and it it's like in this random hole in the wall shopping center yeah they better sponsor the episode I listen. If I if they would love to sponsor, I listen. I would love it because I mean it's so cool. There's like yeah. life size monsters over there that you can like crawl through the secret passageways. It is so incredible. I highly recommend. It's a wonderful date night for sure. Just to go out and and check out the puzzles and see see what what because literally you can touch everything and you should touch everything. That's amazing. Yeah, that's my kind of yeah. That's my kind of museum. Yeah, that's right. It's something that's it's not just purely historical. It's just yeah. it's just a bunch of fun. That's so cool. So, uh, what was what? Why Columbus, Ohio, for you? Yeah. So, I mean, again, we Jen's in my story. We're just like God. We will go where you ask us to go. Mm-hmm. We will steward what you've given us. And um, so, yeah, we were kind of in the same situation as when I was um, working IT, and I was like, you know, Jen and I were praying through this, um, and a church came to us. And we were just like, okay, like it, it just, when it's the Lord's plan, what I've learned is it just happens. It just, Mm. it's piece after piece after piece after piece just falls into place. And so, um, God, we had about five things on a list that we just kind of, um, wrote down and then gave that to, gave that over to the Lord. And he gave every single one of those things on our list about what we wanted in that next church. And, um, man, it, it was an incredible fit. So we were able to kind of get settled in Columbus. And, um, during that time, um, you know, Jen had a call on her life into ministry, um, before we had met, God had made it really clear that she was to, to go in and be a worship pastor someday. And, and so we were, um, you know, she was waiting and she was a pastry chef before. I, I love to say that oh, really? she would, she would say, Oh, I was not pastry chef, but I like to call her pastry chef. She was, she would do like product development. Um, for those of you who are in Lancaster County, you know, Prince street cafe, Jen was, mm. Um, one of the product um, developers for all the pastry stuff in the in in the store, and um, love that job. And so, but like while she was, fun. what's that? Sounds like a lot of uh, fun. It absolutely like I loved eating her stuff. Um, right, like, was, you had to test it. I guess that's what she would do. She'd make stuff up, yep. experiment with pastries, and like here, have it. Yep, what exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, she would share it with everybody in the warehouse. It was awesome. And um, so, yeah, she was like, "God, I'm doing this. Like, yeah, I'm I'm in pastry. Like, I'm." how am I going to go into ministry? Those are two seemingly very different things, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so only by the, by God's grace, while we were at um, the church in Columbus, um, he really brought forth our calling. Like he, he, he refined my calling and what that looks like. And he brought forth 
uh, like fulfilling God's calling on her life that that four years prior she had heard very clearly. And so um, it was just a really beautiful, like God had put it, had brought us together and then continued our individual stories that when you're single, be when you, when you're single and you're dating, right, you have your own stories and you're coming together and it's never like you're just going to do a left turn, a hard mm-hmm. left turn and you're going Can't a different direction now. Yeah. It, God continues that story, but brings two people together in such a beautiful way. And so, yeah, it was I, you know, I'm stepping into my, I I was saying this, I was stepping into my calling as a worship pastor. And so I was an associate worship leader at this church, um, part of our, our, our central team. And Jen was a high capacity volunteer, um, you know, serving between 15 and 24 hours um, because she knew that that was what God had. And so we were just taking that risk and saying like, Lord, whatever you have, um, living off of my salary is very tight. (laughs) And um, God just brings forth this like deepens her calling and it was, it was super beautiful. Yeah. So when did you guys decide to create your own business? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's the most, I think, I think we're kind of hitting the culmination of a lot of loose ends in our life, if that makes sense. Um, so one of those loose ends for me is my dad had for most of my life had his own business growing up mm-hmm. and I knew I was being called into ministry, but I was like, what does that look like? And so then I figured it out. You know, it's it's probably going to be I'm a worship pastor till I die at a local church, right? Like, and and there's it's amazing. That's an amazing gift, amazing calling. Yeah. Um, but then, as we walk through this, um, God, you know, God have a I have a love of music, and my dad's in business. I'm moving into ministry. I have a heart for creatives. Jen and I like our love for creatives, whether it's visual arts, marketing, um, they're all telling a story. Every single component, every musician, every worship leader, every artist is telling a story. And so we just, our heart starts getting bigger. So that's another thing. We're just like, man, we just love connecting with artists and creating a home for them. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes what makes an artist two things I'm convinced of, I'm still trying to discern this, but the first is, um, you are very specific in the taste that you like, which is why there's always like a lot of like, no pop music or no, I love jazz or like, Oh no, it's classical. Right. Because you're very tuned to your tastes. So that makes you an artist. And then your second is you often feel like you're, you don't really fit in a camp. You feel like you're in a different category. You're like, maybe you you bridge categories or you break categories. And so crossover artists now are huge. Right. Mm -hmm. So those two things, I think, really, especially the taste, make an artist. Um, and people um, that really lean into those and they learn the tastes and they, they instead of saying that my tastes are bad, they press into those tastes. It really helps make them. So we um, and then for us personally, as we've moved into starting Freedom City, um, we had filled in at a bunch of different churches, um, worship leading um, fill in musicians, things like that. And being at our church in Columbus, there was a lot of needs for that across campus. And when we were on staff, you know, we would want, we needed a, um, a break or sabbatical, things like that. And we would look around and we're like, who can we call on? Mm. Um, everybody's got a job, you know, they, they want stability in their life, but like, where are the, where are the Paul apostles, right? Where are the ones that are going from church to church and building up the ministry, taking care of the ministry for a minute? Um, we need that in the church. I, I'm, I'm sure for anybody that attends church on your podcast, like they are, they've seen an interim pastor at one point or another that their lead pastor moves on and somebody comes in and they take care of the pulpit and 
Then they bring a leadership team around the whole church to make sure that the finance and administration, um, all of that stuff is taken care of during, and a search committee is formed to find the next lead pastor. And so we were like, but who's doing that in the worship space? Mm. Who Who's taking care of the worship team? Because I've seen so many times, um, you know, and, and this is an area where we're like, man, we need to step in and take care of these teams. Like the Bob, who's a plumber, or Joe, who's an IT director, he's got a family, he's got a full-time job, and you're asking him to lead a worship team on top of that. And that full-time worship leader was also a full-time, like he was full-time. right. And also taking care of production. And and most worship ministries, there's not a hyper focus on production and worship and learning how to work together. And so you're asking Bob to step into a position that these two teams don't know how to work together, don't know how to communicate together because they were tied together by a person and a, a relationship by with one person. Right. And there's not a, what if that guy... You know, Jen and I always said to our teams, what if we fell out of the sky in an airplane and we died, right? Who's going to take over? And so we always structured our teams that we became irrelevant. And that should be the goal. Ephesians forces equipping the saints for ministry. And so um, as we're building our teams, we always ask the question, if we do X, could our teams, number one, take over that? And number two... If in our stead, could they maintain that same process or is that only there because I'm here? Mm. And so um, we started Freedom City because we looked around and said churches, there's only, I believe the stat is like 10% of churches and it could even be less, but 10% of churches multiply, meaning they expand, they add a campus, they equip leaders that eventually come on staff at churches. Very few churches, they don't want change and so they don't. They don't search for bringing new people into being a pastor or a church leader in some way, shape, or form. And so we're like, man, we need to help church leaders understand that and and help them move into that space. Um, And so that's the ministerial side to the artist calling that Jen and I both have, that that musical calling. And so those two things come come together in such a beautiful way by here is that we keep we've I've seen several of my friends that they're like man I I I believe and I believe too I believe that they are called to go into music but the reality is two things the church very often undervalues artists mm. and that's a fact um and I could you know whether that's pay or not the thank yous or all that so you're diminished to um if if this is a call in your life it feels like a diminishment if that's a word diminishment it feels like you're diminished to a a place that you know I just volun I just volunteer, but I feel like God is calling me into this. And my question is, if you're discerning that, why? What's stopping you from taking those steps? And so, personal obedience for us is a huge, huge deal. That if if God has instilled that inside of you, then what what are the steps or what are the things? that you can do now to move you into doing that full-time or providing for your family in that way. So as we've been asking those questions, it's like, how do we marry the ministry of the local church and, and, and not number one, lose the twenties and 30 somethings because they're, they're going out the back door faster than you can, you can say, Oh no, our back door's open. Like they're, they're so fast moving out. And so we're like, how do we, 
And then the second place that we're moving, losing them to are like what I was saying earlier, like Nashville, Austin, Texas, LA. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you get caught up in the bad, the bad communities. You get caught up in doing things that you're like, man, I'm so far from the Lord. You develop, you you have shame, you have guilt. You're like, I don't even belong in church anymore because of the decisions that I've made. I, I hate myself. I hate who I've become. People probably wouldn't use that language, but it's there for them. And so they just continue to do the same thing over and over. And they're like, how can I have a place of belonging? And so Jen and I are sitting here and saying, I think that the church, there's a gift that exists within the artist community that says we want to work together. So it comes together with that collaboration piece. It comes together with a lot of artists saying, I've, I've, I have this drive and need or the, for the Christian artist, they say, I feel like God has instilled um, this desire in me, but I don't know how to provide for my family or provide for myself. And then the church needs to be encouraged to say, maybe it's not that your artists are supposed to be at your church only. There are definitely artists, creatives, people that serve on your worship team and production team that are supposed to be at your church. But maybe they're supposed to be traveling from one church to the next, building up the ministry. And those become the blood, right? The blood carries oxygen from the heart to the head, um, from the lungs, right? The lungs, like, I don't, I'm not a, I don't, I didn't study biology, much, but, <laughs> but they're, they're the blood. And so like, why is the body of Christ not allowing um, people who, you know, have awesome character, right? That needs to be filtered through. If you have terrible character. Right. You gotta work on that. You've yeah, you've gotta you've gotta go through and in and life can either do two things. You can either develop good character or bad character. Like there's really no options. And so if you've got good character, you have this call on your life, and you are so easy to work with. We within Freedom City, those are character, competency, and chemistry. When we look for team members within Freedom City, um, we're filtering through what our value system are and based on those three C's. And so those types of people, they're rooted at a church, but they move from church to church, building up the ministry, filling in holes, um, potentially coming in if a church is like, we're looking to do a complete sound overhaul, a mm. new AVL system. Well, we've got worship leaders and production operators and AVL installers all within Freedom City. And you could even work with our marketing team and ask them, well, what kind of, what kind of LED walls or what kind of projectors do you like? Like ask their preferences because a lot of them have worked on staff and they've had gear that, you know, an AVL company suggests, but you talk to the person who's developing graphics and they're like, yeah, that just, it doesn't, it doesn't deliver what I need it to deliver. And so having a, having a place for all of those people to come and collaborate, I think is super important. Um, so yeah, I, I know that was a lot. It, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's this huge piece of allowing churches to work together through the artists um, and allowing artists to minister um, those who God has called. It's not every artist. Not every artist is is called to be doing what we're doing. Right, of course. Yeah. So is it is it a, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like this is where a place where it's, it sounds like a lot of freelance work. Yeah. Through, through your uh, corporation, nonprofit? We, we're, we call an organization. We're technically like a for-profit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There it's freelancers. Um, 
is technically if you want to get down to like the bare bones business yeah, side, just, just just so people so yeah. people understand what 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 it basically is. Yeah, it's a it's a place where freelancers can go, and you guys will outsource them to different churches. Yes, sounds like. Yep. Yeah. So we end up kind of being like the sending organization. Yeah. And um, yeah, we we handle. Um, you know, if a church is coming to us and they're like, hey, we are looking for a film worship leader for August 22nd, they um, will contact Jen and Jen will go through our discovery call and um, make sure that what they're looking for is exactly what they, they're looking for. Because if here's a, here's a situation, a, a, a church came to us and they're like, we're looking for a worship leader. But and they're in, in an interim time right now where they're looking for their next worship pastor to come in. And they came to us and they were like, man, like we're looking for a worship leader. I was like, um, Jen went through the discovery call and she said, um, she came back to me and said, I actually think that they need a band director because they have, they have vocalists, they have people mm-hmm. that can step into worship leading, but they need somebody that can run rehearsal. They can pick keys of songs. They could do tracks. So they need a band director in that scenario and it saves them money and it allows our team to be utilized. And some of our team members, they're worship leaders at their church, but they're like, I'm not as marketable to be a worship leader out with Freedom City, but I'm a band director and I know rehearsal end begins here. It ends here. I know how to do all the sets. I can do the tracks. I can do the pro presenter. They can do all of the stuff that is involved in being a worship pastor. But they're, you know, that some of them will be like, yeah, my voice is just not up to par. Right. And so um, they love it. They love being able to come in and build relationships and and do that kind of stuff. So we just make sure during that discovery call that what they're asking for is exactly and and our job is to help build up. So it could teach the leadership like, actually, we don't need a worship pastor. We've got 25 singers and we need somebody to hire in. That's a band director. Right. And that utilizes a whole nother aspect of the body of Christ. Um, and it's unique to that church. So, and it's um, delegation. It's more. It's yes. more decentralized. Yeah, which is, in my opinion, way better than a centralized system. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's. I think the church. It built. It a lot of the church is built on trends, and I hate that. It's so so bad. It is. Heart, you, heartbeat symbols are great, but there's other really great symbol brands. <laughs> like that's been like the biggest thing lately. I'm like everybody in Nashville's using heartbeat. They're great symbols, but like Minel's great too. Oh, the symbols. Like I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh. on drunk hits. Yeah, so like Heartbeat is like a custom symbol brand, right? Yeah. And and so yeah, I mean, but there's other great symbol brand symbol uh, packs. Um, so yeah, it's it's everybody's like we got to get Heartbeat because Heartbeat's the thing, right? But no, 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 it's no. like find what works for your community and what works best for you because it's it culture shouldn't impact Christ; it should be Christ impacts culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the church has done so much of that. And especially when it comes to music, it used to be that uh, Christians were the setter for music. Yeah. And now we're just the copiers of pop culture. Yeah. And I, I heard I heard it explained to me this way the other day, which I thought was like, whoa. But um, Christian today can be considered indie rock. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? Without you're right. <laughs> it's just the lyrics that make it like. Yeah. Christian. Yeah. And I was like, that's so, why? It's, yeah, that's really good. It's, yeah, I think the the trending points, trends are great. Oh, yes. They, they exist for a reason. They do. And, and, but I think finding what, what, what does obedience mean for your 
community. Mm. And this this is for bands, right? Like if you're a Christian band and you're like, man, we want to become the thing right. in Lancaster or in Philly or Harrisburg, right? Like we want to become the thing. What does obedient me- obedience unto the Lord mean for you? And I know that sounds really churchy and like, but the reality is like, how is the Lord going to add more to your group without the obedience piece? And so grappling with that, it, it, it causes you rather than going corporate first corporate, I mean, is bringing it to the band and saying, I think that we should be a Christian band and, you know, and, and, and we're going to, we're going to, you know, I was a metal band. So we were all like, Oh, we're going to be missionaries to the metal community in Lancaster County. And we want to be just like August Burns red, right? Like that was like our target. Like, but we didn't understand the story that God was writing in our life. We didn't grapple with that first. And mm-hmm. so you have to go private before you go corporate. You go private before be, you become a, a missionary, musicianary is what we call our teams within Freedom City. Like all of our musicians, you, you guys are missionaries. Like, and so <laughs> you've got to go private first to figure out like, what has God called me to? What does he equip me with? Um, what is my personality like in, in shepherding? And what are my particular gifts? Some people are evangelistic. But some people are, are more, she- they're shepherding, they're pastoral. So they'll walk in the low points and the high points. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll be right alongside you. And those are two very g- different giftings and they're very both much. to be celebrated. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I always view music for me is not just music. There's a greater purpose. And I think you said that earlier, it's such a greater purpose in what we do. And like you were saying, like culture, culture, like culture used to be shifted by the music that was created. Mm-hmm. And, and it still is. It, it is. Yeah. But for the church, right. it's become tradition. And that's not a bad thing. Not a for, bad thing. For certain communities, it's an awesome thing. Yeah. It means a lot to them. But tradition for tradition's sake, I think you miss a lot of beauty. It. Yeah. Tradition for tradition's sake loses the tradition it was meant to be for. Yes. Right? So good. So because after a while of doing tradition, it becomes... Because tradition works to an extent until times change, and then you need a new tradition. Yes. To work to build upon and expand. Because tradition only. <laughs> do you know why? You know Oxford University. There's, I do. Yeah. The motto is tradition. Is it? Do you know why? Why is that? It's because they've been around since they were founded in 1000 AD. Shoot. So they're older than like the Aztec civilization. Are you serious? I, <laughs> That's a really that's crazy, and uh, their motto is tradition. I'm like, guys, yeah. After a while, you gotta you gotta move on. There's yeah. tradition is good when, when when it comes down to like brass tacks and like doctrine and like got and like strictly gospel. Yes, tra- the Bible is yes, that's, that's yes, right, absolutely. But when it comes to like tertiary, secondary, or well, not on this, but like tertiary and like music stuff, mm-hmm. like what do we play or what does how does the how does the sermon interplay with the worship or like stuff that that doesn't really matter mm-hmm. uh, as much you gotta bend a little bit and because what was popular in the eighties or what worked in the eighties imagine trying to bring a floppy disk <laughs> yeah, so good <laughs> you yeah. Can't, it's not gonna work yeah, they're just vehicles right they're vehicles for the greater purpose right. And um, sometimes you got to make a new vehicle. Yeah. Every year we get new vehicles, right? Exactly. I mean, (laughs) or new iPhones. I want to say iPhones every single year. Everyone lines up for the new iPhone, not because of tradition, but because it's new and, and, and it works and it's better. And 
there's other stuff that that we're gonna leave out of that conversation. But yeah. But in regards to church and music, or even the, just the way we do things in church, yeah, you have to abandon some sort of tradition in order for it to be feasible. Yeah. In order for it to be worthwhile to your congregation, you shouldn't do tradition because whatever you do, it's it's for your congregation. You are the shepherd. Mm-hmm. It's and tradition doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, so it's, it's people move people. People themselves, they change over time. You have to go with that and nurture what you have now, what you had back then. Yeah. And and I think, too, like tradition connects you with the past. Like it it helps you feel larger than yourself and you're part of this thing that's, you know, from the beginning of time, God, even in the Old Testament, was on his way to building his church, his bride. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so it connects you with that. I think that there's there are different other types of people. Like for me, Jen and I really emphasize a, emphasize a lot on community, and so like for us, that value exceeds tradition. Right. For some people, the tradition value exceeds the community aspect because you feel like you're connected and and things are correct and they're pointed and and I think that it's not for us. It's our our challenge is not to value like love. When I say love, I mean making that an idol, mm-hmm. making community the like like the top, like that's the most important piece. The challenge for us is to say like, we need to understand where the church has been, the values and doctrine and to bring people that need and that are, um, whether it's ostracized, they feel like they're disconnected. They don't have a place of belonging. Uh, people that are deal with depression, anxiety, like bringing those people in and saying like, just come and belong. Mm-hmm. And our heart specifically in that is just to see artists come and belong. And so I think that there's just different values that churches build build on. And we're all built on, I pray that we're all built on the same foundation. gospel. Yeah, the same yeah. foundation. But the way that the church um, plays out is just a little bit different, I think, in every community. But, yeah. but you have to understand the purpose and the story, the obedience. I keep going back yeah. to obedience because it's personal. And every leadership has to discern what does obedience look like? And when you go to trends, is when you follow a trend or you go to a conference, is that obedience for your church? Or are you just like looking for the next um, big thing? The next big thing that you can apply to your church and right. be like, oh, we can do X and it's going to grow our church to 500X. Like, no, that's like, that's typically not what happens. Oh. And it's doing life change is slow, it takes time, building community. Patience. And patience, yeah, like all of that. And it's the same thing with music. Like it just takes time and effort and energy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are just things that we just like we spend a lot. That, that's what keeps us up at night. And then the other side is like, how do we get artists, especially like I said earlier, 20s and 30 somethings? Um, the church is sm- shrinking and there's a lot of reasons for that. And it's dependent on region. It's dependent on church. It's dependent on the city that you're in, why churches are becoming the secondary thing people don't keep attending. And I think that's where the rise of a, uh, like a, a collective, like freedom city, when there's a, when there's somebody within our team that really is wrestling with a relationship with Jesus, there are lots of doubts. There's lots of questions. You bring those to, to our team. And some of us are further down the journey, but we borrow one another's faith. And our hope is that we've got artists um, whether it's videographers, graphic designers, social media marketers, 
um, songwriters, producers, composers, arrangers, music, like musicians that go and do fill in musicians that travel with artists. Like there are people that we all have doubts. We all have questions. We all have these things that we wrestle with. We all have a story that has significant trauma in it that hurt mm-hmm. us. And so just bring those things. There's no, there's no, um, there's no shame in that. And just like Jesus identified his 12, all of them had stories and hurts yeah. and all of that. And so he said, just come and do ministry with me. Learn from me. Come as and, you are. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's beautiful. You talk about the shrinking of the church, and I just want to mention something that blew my mind uh, a while ago. I started watching The Simpsons, and because I was like, everyone says The Simpsons are like the best TV show, at least season one through nine, are like the best thing. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll watch a little bit of it. And so I started watching it, and I was like, this. Was, so that was made back in the 80s or something, right? Wow, okay. And um, back then, they had Homer Simpson and the whole family around praying before a meal. Seriously? Seriously. Wow. And I was like, that was back, worship wars were like happening, but to explain, to have that happen in like the prime time American TV show, even like I started watching like the first few seasons of the Family Guy, even they went to church. And I was like, what? Yeah. Man. And that imagine I don't there's not a TV show, a main popular TV show now that takes like that would do that seriously and not yeah. play it off as a joke. Yeah. Wow. Right? Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. It yeah. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation. It is a yes. whole other conversation, but it just goes to show you how much the church in America at least has shrinken or become secondary, like you yeah. said. And to the point where it's it's not it's it's the butt of the joke. It's not the purpose of yeah. of uh, you know conveying something. Yeah, and and I don't I, and I want to also clarify too. The church is 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 God's chosen vehicle. Yeah, but like the community, right? That's what makes up the church. Right. It's not it's not the Episcopalian or the Baptist no. or the and and so I think that that's really a, a differential. It's not it's not the organization or the building. It's the people that are involved that the Holy Spirit are speaking to and growing and, and changing. And, you know, there's the fruit of the Holy spirit that like, it's all or nothing. You can't be self-controlled, but not love. Right. Right. And so all of those things as an artist, like you're walking into a very, very highly contested area, both in the church and out because it's all opinion based. (laughs) It is all opinions. And the, the most, Handling that opinions with kid gloves and being respectful, um, it's very difficult. But like, imagine artists going forward, bands, artists, musicians that go forward and say, I love you, despite our arguments that we've had or our viewpoints or a worldview that's different. Yeah. And we do all have common things that we agree in. We have our foundations. It's the secondary and tertiary issues yes. that we disagree with. Yep. And so let's press into those. And let's do ministry out of that that foundation. The foundation, yeah, yeah. When we mention the church, we're not talking about any one specific church. We are talking about the community because the church, the capital C church, is all Christians, yeah. not just the not just the Methodists, not just the Pro- Protestants, which encapsulates most of everything, and not just the Catholics either. Yeah. Uh, it, it incorporates everyone yeah. because we are the church. And that that can be said of any Christian alive. And it is possible. Or dead. 
That <laughs> yep. It is possible to have um you know, let's let's pick on the Baptists, right? Cuz that was we the most <laughs> Yeah, we love those Baptists, right? I was I was a pastor in in the in the um Southern Baptist Convention, but um you know, the picking on the Baptists like oftentimes they're like, "Yes, our theology and the way that we do things is correct." But it is possible to have a dead church that is not preaching is. the gospel in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. It is absolutely possible. Just like you could have a, um, you know, one denomination looks at another denomination and they say, well, man, they've really gone down the, the away from the Lord. They yeah. are traveling a hundred miles the opposite direction. But um, it is possible to have churches in that denomination still that um, believe in the inerrancy of Scripture they follow what the gospel teaches unswervingly. Like it is possible um, and they do exist, but um, you, you know, it, everything you need to be cautious in, you need to discern and you need to be wise in. You shouldn't be one to throw away a church just because of the de- denomination they're affiliated with. Yeah. There can be, uh, there can be truth and heresy taught in the same building. Exactly. That's so good. That's, that feels like a bumper sticker. <laughs> that feels like a bumper sticker. And they get, sometimes they can be the same person. <laughs> yeah, well. exactly. I mean, we're, we are fallen too. Like it, yeah. everything we say, it doesn't mean that it's a hundred percent correct, you know? So yeah, that, I mean, those, everything we're talking about here is like the foundation of freedom city. Like we, it, we love that our teams are so fired up. Um, we've served four States um, so far and our dream is that we're, we go national that because there's so many needs. And I, you know, one of the things we talked about is like, maybe we plant in Fran- in Lancaster County. Mm. Um, because Ohio clearly has needs. Yes. Um, and we're seeing the byproduct of that as churches start coming together and they work together in a beautiful way. And the network is because of our artists, because That's of our creatives. Wonderful. It's amazing. And, that, and they're yes. on the front end of meeting with the church leaders and, and meeting the worship teams and, um, developing those relationships. And then when we have, you know, organized worship events across the city, the artists are there. They'll see people at these churches that they've served at. Yeah. And it's just a, it's an amazing experience that the ministry is being done by our team members. It's not, pa- it's not titled pastors at churches. Mm-hmm. It's our team members going out and saying, I'm, I am called to doing this. And that's crazy. Cause you would think, cause the, the goal of the church is unity, mm-hmm. right? We are, we are the church. And it's all these little small things that divide us. And people can get, I can't tell you how many arguments we've had with like Presbyterians or Baptists on which day is the Sabbath or predestination or not. This is, this is half of your experience at Bible college, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Half, half the times your overnights are arguing about these things instead of homework. Um, at least that was my experience. But, uh, Mine too. There you go. But um, to have... It's so funny how music in out the outside world is what combines people in, in the church. It's what combines people again. Uh, it, it separates the differences and brings people together. Because churches need to realize that it's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's about Christ and Christians and the community. It's not about your numbers. It's not a, it's it, it, it's not about the first St. John's you know United Methodist Church on whatever street. It's not about the first Baptist yeah. whatever. It's it's about God and it's yeah. about Christ and it's about bringing people closer to Him yeah. and the, vi- the 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 silly. Well, granted on on what term what what the terms are, uh, the silly divisions that we make that divide us shouldn't. I mean, you're letting your ego get in the way of God. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, and, and I'm still working through a lot of this, man. I'm in process just like everybody oh, else we is. All? Yeah. yeah, like for me, I've had to put some significant, um, what I thought were grounds that I would fight over. I've had to put those aside. And there are things, you know, again, we come back to personal obedience. So there's certain people on our team that'll be like, I don't feel comfortable serving these types of churches. Right. And we're like, just tell us no. Like yeah. we care more about you being in the center of God's will than our, you know, making a profit or anything like that. And like it comes down to not letting another man stumble over. Yes. Right. So good. It Yeah. It comes exactly back to that. And like the other cool thing about it is if this person, let's say, um, you know, if there's a, if there's somebody in the Baptist church, we'll pick on the Baptist again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they're like, yeah, I, I serve at a Baptist church, but you know, there's a Methodist church that's asking to bring me in. And they're like, do you know much about the church or anything like that? Well, we'll do research on our end so we can speak a little bit to what they are. But if they're like, can you tell me about the Methodist theology? Yes, I can tell you a little bit about Methodist theology, but why don't you go study that really quick and get back to us in a couple hours? Just go read through it because now you're up there. church too. Yeah, and check out the church. Now they're growing. They don't need to pay $80,000 like I did for Bible college. They now get to go spend time studying and like, what does the Methodist teach? You know, who was Wesley? Like, who was, who was the Wesleys? Yeah. yeah. The, like who it, it, it develops them. It, it allows them to understand why do we have so many denominations? What are the, what, what are, are the, the little perks and yes. pros and cons about each? Cause there are so many pros and cons when it comes to, to Methodists, the biggest pro in my opinion, uh, I grew up Methodist <laughs> Perfect. is, is, uh, is the music culture. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know, Wesley at all? Well, I, I assume you do. You went to this college, but uh, he was a stickler on music. Yes, and and he in the hymns there they had he says sing with all your heart or don't sing at all. Wow, and isn't that what we should do? Yeah, we're commanded to sing. We're commanded to sing, and with our full hearts and full, what is the what is the line that Jesus in full body mind spirit spirit and truth spirit. Uh, Worship the Lord with all your heart, with all your spirit, with all your mind, and uh, there's something else that I'm forgetting. But it's it's that you got to yeah, do it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> sing with the full force or not at all. <laughs> that's so man. That's good. I, I think some other denominations need to hear that. There's and some. They never have heard that. And there are so many Christians that will go to Sunday and just or not even just sing and just stand because it's not my preference on music exactly just because it's not my preference and i'm like who it's worshiping the lord it doesn't care about your preference you're gonna sing hosanna 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 even if i don't like repetitions so good (laughs) all the time in heaven so good so you're gonna get you gotta have to get used to it here now to sing stuff that you don't maybe not like to hear if it's heretical then don't sing it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. There's always that caveat, but if it's sound ground logic, logic, sound uh, theology, sing it. Yes. With all your heart, all your spirit, all your mind, because it's gonna grow you in ways. Because when I when I sing stuff that I don't like, it grows on me. Mm-hmm. And I can't say how how many hymns I don't like hymns, <laughs> even though there's like some of the most theologically packed stuff. But if I can't, if whenever I hear a mighty fortress is my God. I'm there full force because it's 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 there and mm. it's great and it's the theology there is so packed. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I didn't grow up with a lot of hymns. And so there's still, you know, we'll go into a traditional church um, somewhere in, in mo- a lot of what we do is within Ohio, but um, traveling around the Midwest. And so I have to learn a lot of hymns. Like yeah. I just, I have to, cause I didn't grow up with a lot of them. And uh, yeah, I, I think that for, for me, I struggle from a lyrical writer. So this is gets into the artist realm right, right. now. They, it's still preferences. So anybody that's listening to this, if you love hymns, like go for it, go for it. Like I am not telling you you're wrong, but for me, my preference sits in, I love songs that are very focused on one topic mm-hmm. and I struggle with hymns that are like four five, six different topics and they yeah. cover, it's like buckshot. It's like, why it don't is. we cover every single thing that we could possibly cover in a song? And I would prefer to, you know, worship is a walk. You start from one location and you begin at another. Sure. I, I look at Adam and Eve in the garden and I'm sure God was like, hey, this is all of yours. And let's just let's just journey together. Let's just walk from this location to this location. I'm sure there was a lot to look at, a lot to sample, a lot of beautiful animals that you could interact with. And and so and they weren't scared probably of us. Right. Uh, and uh, we weren't time. scared of them. Exactly. Either. Like imagine going up the spider and petting it. Oh, my goodness. Right. <laughs> I kill him. Uh, <laughs> so um but yeah like that kind of piece writing pieces that are very focused lyrically allow you to have that beginning and end topic um you know they they allow you to take that journey from one location to another and so you can start from like this you know we've I, i the song i keep going back to no it's all good (laughs) <laughs> just imagining Eve walks ah! <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, yeah. that seems so out of character. Like in what I picture the Garden of Eden, it doesn't seem like it fits. No, it doesn't. Nope. that's <laughs> awesome. That's why it was the Garden of Eden, not not now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because the Garden of Eden wasn't supposed to have spiders in it, so she would have Adam kill him. Right? <laughs> she could choose what was in there and what not. Right. Of course. I, I've yes. learned that in marriage anyway. Like my right. wife, it's like. Happy wife, happy life. There, that is very true. Oh, I absolutely. never knew how true it was, but it is. Um, but I love my wife, and I want her to have whatever she wants. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was saying, like, I, I, you know, starting a worship set with kind of a gathering type song. Like, I go back to a very focused song would be like "Open mm. Up the Heavens" by Vertical Worship. So, "Open Up the Heavens," we want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river, like gotcha, that. Yeah. Like God, we just want you to bring your presence here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not that he's bringing his presence. He's making us aware of what he's doing in, in that room at the time. Um, it's just a poetic way of saying, like, open our eyes to what you're already doing. Open our hearts to what you want to speak to us and, and change us in. And so, like, starting there, but then you end on, like, intimacy. Mm. You end on, like, a th- another option is you could th- end on, like, a throne room. Like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like, that kind of song. And so... Starting from there, and there's a lot of topics in between that. You could talk a testimony. You could say, this is what God has done. He, this is what I have done. This is who I am. This is who he is. Like all of those things could be done in that middle portion of that set. So you've just created a beautiful journey of a very focused, and there's worship songs that are not focused either. Don't hear as yes. all, all modern worship is not focused. Like, <laughs> Or they're all incredibly focused and very specific. Like there's songs like, uh, make you make me brave by Bethel. Like that is not a focus song. It was written on a, for them, it was written on a vision. Mm. And so it's awesome. It came out of, from some place, but I wouldn't, I personally would not do that in a worship set. And it's not a very focused song. So I look for the ones that are very specific. They're very, they tend to be more poetic. Um, again, it's preference yeah. and I don't fit in every single church culture. No. And there's other people like one of my friends, um, 
loves hymns and loves very like meaty, like crazy big words in worship music. And I'm like, I rather not say things like sanctification in a song. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'd rather say like, I want to be more like Jesus or make me more like Jesus to me. It's Yeah. It's, it's common language. I'm looking for common tongue. Um, Paul was writing in Koine Greek. Yeah. Not Christianese. Like, um, an unbeliever has no frame of reference for that. Exactly. And so, and, and again, like doing art, it's with people that don't have, like for me, my frame of reference is people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Mm. I want to write for them that they listen to one of the songs and it moves them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, us having a conversation or me having a conversation with the Lord that they're sitting in on. Like I want them to hear my worldview or my perspective by just me having a conversation rather than using traditional language. We can bring that back to tradition. Like, so yeah, it's, it's and awesome, it's, and it all dependent on also what the what the court corporation congregation needs. Yeah, because uh, some people might might need those six five six points to hear in the hymn. Yep. Other people do not. Yep. yep. So we have some of your music here. Yes. You want to talk about that? We have yeah. Chaos lined up. Yeah. So, um, Chaos was written um, kind of well. It was written two years prior. Jen and I've been very slow to. Um, to be putting out music and, and, you know, for, for those who are songwriters that listen to this podcast, it's really hard to put out music, It is, especially when you start it's and doing pieces, writing compositions. Like some of it is so close to your heart. And you wrote this in 2020, right? We, we wrote this two years prior. So 20, 2018 ish, we kind of were, we wrote it, but we was just, we were dragging our heels. The Lord has asked us the two pieces of our calling are to lead worship and to be songwriting, to be continually songwriting. And we were so slow to do that. And what I've learned in that is delayed obedience is still disobedience. Procrastination is disobedience. I, I heard it this way. Procrastination is the assumption that God will make time later. Oh, my goodness. That also feels really weighty. It is. It cool. is. It's the, it's the prideful assumption that God will make time later. I don't have to do it now. Nope. I yeah, think right. That, <laughs> I think that God's call will move on. I think God... Ooh. I think God... Every situation is not like a Jonah where you you push off what God is asking you to do. And he just and then, forces you. Yeah, he just pushes you. He won't do that. We have free will. Oh. I think in that scenario, God chose Jonah. Specifically. Specifically for that story and for that situation. But God will move on from a call and you will miss that. that. Moses. Yes, he exactly. That Moses in the 40 years wandering, he had to, he had to move, wait for the next generation and... Uh, who was it? Josh, Joshua, Joshua. They came after Moses. Yes, let, let him in. I think it was Joshua. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah. So yeah, it. So for us, we drug our heels and drug our heels. So COVID happened in 2020. It did. <laughs> I don't think I needed to say that. <laughs> but COVID happened, and uh, you know we were looking around, and Jen and I, we've we specifically have lived our lives. You know, we left one and a half incomes in the local church to start freedom city. And we were looking around and just like, we don't, we don't want to live our life in fear Mm. and we shouldn't, we have the hope above hopes. Like we will be in heaven. There's no question about that. And so for us to press into like, like our job is to be leading and to be providing care for those who need to be cared for 
Um, that was our call. Our personal call was like, we don't want to be holed up. We want to be out. And I was like, man, we need to release this song now. So still, we COVID happened in March and we still released it. I think it was like in November. But the reality is like I, we wrote this song in the midst um, for us personally two years prior. It was just in this like doubting and questioning and really hard season. Um, just saying like, I just feel like my life is a mess. And we applied it to COVID and saying the world is a mess. Mm. Everything is crazy. Um, but, you know, you know, in the first one, it, verse one is like, remind this heart of your intent. I will not fear because you are true. Like those pieces, like, God, I know that who you are will dictate and provide faith and will cover that. And um, yeah, just allowing his truth of the word of uh, his word, the community that we're in, the truth that our community speaks over us. Let that hit your soul. Let that provide peace and um over your life. And I think that that, you know, the, the chorus is, um, let your stillness wash over me and the chaos be my peace. O King of my heart, O King of my heart. And that, that just kind of characterizes like the word of the Lord is true. Um, it is steadfast. It is beautiful. And it does apply. You do have to dig and you do have to, you have to dig down into it. Um, but that, that will dictate, that'll dictate your hope or your fear. Mm. So. And with that said, this is Chaos by Caleb and Jen Wilbur. Remind this heart of your intent and will not feel for you I true.
and that was Chaos by Caleb and Jen Wilbur. So if if there's any Christian artists around here or where can they where can they get connected to you guys, Freedom City Collective? Yeah. So um if you are looking to get connected with Freedom City Collective, you can go to our website at freedomcitycollective.com. If you're a musician in this area, we'd love to know you. Um, you could go onto the website at the very top. There's a join our team button. You can click on that and fill out the form and we'll set up um, kind of an hour call to get to know your story and who you are. And that, you know, if you're a musician, a worship leader, um, a graphic designer, videographer, social media marketer, um, we want to know you. So that's where you can get to know uh, Freedom City and we'll, we'll sit down and have a conversation. Um, and if you're wanting to know more about our music, you can go to Caleb and Jen on Instagram and we're on Spotify. We're on um, everywhere. So you can go on Spotify, just put in Caleb and Jen. Yeah, so so now uh, kind of rounding out this time, we have some general questions that I like to ask. So what are some maybe the biggest mistakes that you've made or you've seen other worship artists make and how can we prevent those from happening again? Those are really, that's a really good question. Uh, so for musicians, um, I think for guitar players especially, be listening. Listen to who you're playing with. You don't need to show off. In fact, I think knock it off. Um, I'm usually quite, I, I, I was one that overplayed all the time. Mm. And you say a whole lot more by what you don't play, by what you do play. And so choose what you play and where you play strategically. Um, and, and the other layer of that is think like a producer, think holistically. Yeah. Think like an arranger, think holistically, listen to a bunch of music with different styles of instruments in it. Become a master at your craft, but become a student of others. And so I think that those two pieces will end up setting you up in a band situation that you're going to win. And, and you're going you're gonna to help add value to other people that you play with, which is the goal that which you want. Which is the goal, yes. Yeah. I've heard this quote in regards to jazz, but I think it uh, encompasses so much more. Jazz is about the notes you don't play more so than the notes you play. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I've heard the same. Yeah. I probably borrowed it from that. So what is worship to you? There are a lot of definitions of worship, but what do you consider worship for for you? Man, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say the answer that everybody gives, it's a lifestyle. But I think the picture that I see is a walk. And um Dan Hollingsworth used to be a professor at LBC and, and we took our very first worship and arts class. I'm sure you took it too, where they're like, yeah. how would you define worship? Yes, that's and, exactly. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I love it. Um, and when I first got in, I was like, I don't know. What do I, how, like, I don't, I didn't know how to define it. But by the end of the semester, he told us his definition. He called it a walk and I borrowed it. So mm. it's a journey. And I think that's, you know, we were talking about tradition earlier and we were talking about, um, you know, newness can be as detrimental as tradition can be. Yes. And so finding that beautiful in between, um, allow the pioneers of your church to pioneer, but also allow those who tend to be a little bit more with the status quo, allow them to help guard and shape what that pioneering looks like. And so allow that walk to me, that's worship. You're allowing people who have been created in the image of God to be serving and their response, hopefully is to go back to their creator to shed everything back to their creator and to create moments. We're moment makers as, as lead worshipers. And so it's moment after moment after moment. And I believe that God just sees, we see 
Sunday morning, we go to sleep. We have another six days, and then it's Sunday morning again. I think what God sees is one continuous worship service because he's outside of time. Right. And we see all the division in it, but he doesn't. And so it's it's worship. It's Sunday morning spending time or, um, you know, Monday through Friday spending time with Jesus. All of those moments, it's allowing him, inviting him and having moments with him. And when you're when you're serving alongside people that have these other gifts, the pioneering gift, um, a nurture gift that that's very focused on people and values, um, guardians who ask a lot of questions and they're very hesitant to change those types of people. Um, allow them space to vocalize those things, mm. to braise up those questions. And I think you will end up having a holistic picture of what the corporate worship looks like, but you cannot have corporate worship without having a private, uh, private life, private time spending worshiping. You cannot, yeah. um, I love the quote of like, you can't go where you haven't, where you've never gone yourself. You can't be a tour guide without, having experienced it first. And so it is so true. And I think that as I get older, I'm learning more and more to slow down. I'm a pioneering type. So I'm a go, go, go kind of person. And I'm learning more and more to slow down and to spend time with my creator. And that ends up fueling. And somehow God always gives back more time where I feel like I'm losing time because I'm doing something obligatory. Right. He just says, I'm going to make more time and you're going to get everything you need done. And I just want you to know me. I just want you to, to, to be filled up by me and to not be, to not lose sight. Nothing's equal with the gospel. No movement in this world. No um, organization is equal to the gospel and to Jesus. If you put them on the same evening, evening, uh, the same plane, you're highly mistaken. It's, it's not true. No. So, Last question. How have you found your faith challenged throughout your career? This is a whole nother conversation, probably for a different podcast. Um, I have dealt with some significant church hurt. Mm. And like I said, you're like, whoa, okay, now we can press into that. But um, God allows painful moments in our lives, I think, to really deepen our character and who he is. And so when those painful moments come, I've had to tell myself rather than being in the in the deepest part or depression or anxiety or whatever that looks like pressing in to the truth that God is going to use that for his good and for his glory. Um chaos we just listened to that and I feel like that's there's some elements of that that we're just like man things are unraveling and I have no control and when's the next shoe going to drop and but he's going like look to me like these things are small right and it's not outside of my control and so i think that that's that's to me is getting above my circumstances and getting above the pain or the trauma and saying there's a purpose in this and all i have to do this is literally all you have to do is wait and be patient and to spend time with him. And that could be reading. That could be out on a mountaintop, just looking out in creation. But tell him when you have the strength, tell him what's bothering. He already knows. Right, yeah. 
but tell him what those things that you wrestle with are. And he's going to, um, I think he's going to over time show you what the purpose of that is. And if you allow your heart to stay, there's, there's two things that can happen. You can either be a rock solid heart and not, not change, not change and get frustrated and, and angry, or you can force your heart by talking about it and journaling and doing healthy things yeah, to become softer. Up, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that can come out in your art. And there's, there's a one, the funniest story I think from the Bible is, uh, I think it's Elisha. Uh, it's either Elisha or Elijah. I can't, I can't keep those but, uh, he was really mad and the Lord told him go to sleep and have some food and he was fine hmm. afterwards. And I'm like, isn't that so true? And we get, yeah. it, just take, take a moment, rest, get some nourishment. How are you doing now? It, we're try so just like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are triune beings. We're body, soul, and spirit. Yes. And so if you are if circumstances in life, if things like I have a strong I, I, I really struggle calming down and not working. Mm-hmm. Like getting to a place where I rest. Oftentimes a nap or a run just completely Reset shifts. Yeah, yeah, it does. And so those are what I would put underneath self care routines. Yeah. And finding that as an artist, you're highly neurotic. You're a neurotic individual, meaning you can be thrown off. Something can get you out of your juju. Something bad will happen. And you're, you could be, you could be sent that, I mean, melancholy is like another adjective for artists. And so finding those things that you don't become the Beethoven where you're just angry and you're right. Like finding those things that work for you that can keep you steady and not neurotic, <laughs> not And if you don't know what neuroticism is, go and look it up. It's very interesting, but it helps, yes. it helps you be a healthy individual and to not see things through a jaded point of view. It's very, very, very important. With all that said, this has been Caleb Wilbur of freedom city. Please check out all of his links in the description. He, they do some awesome, wonderful work. And if you want to support us, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. If you are feeling extra generous, please be sure to check out the shop and some merchandise with the stickers and the hoodies and shirts with the logo on the front and the first 50 guests, including Mr. Caleb Wilbur on the back. With all of that said, we have a guest coming up very soon, J.P. Mayer. He's the resident music director of the Dutch Apple Theater. I do believe I'm going to double check that real quick before I slander any further yeah and uh so he will be on coming up soon and with all that said i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and i will see you in a little bit goodbye